Welcome to Group Talk, a podcast conversation from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small groups ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax and listen to today's program. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host and the Small Groups Pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. Hey, if you caught the last few group talks this month, you'll have heard Small Group Network founder Sue Clayton and our um, pastor Derek Olson launch a different format within Group Talk. So they're two different formats, but it's the same podcast. And it was really fun to hear Steve and Derek. And I especially found Steve's trending topic segment on the last program on stacking really interesting. And it serves some thoughts about how we can use that in our ministry. So Steve and Derek are going to keep doing their thing. And each month I'll do my usual thing. And Steve jokes how theirs is like group talk light and ours is group talk heavy, I guess, which doesn't sound all that appealing, but um, they're we do, hopefully we, both of those group talks bring content um, that is helpful and adds value to your ministry. So today's episode, I am really excited about to talk about something that's been getting a lot of buzz in the Christian world in the past few years. So a couple of years ago, a close pastor friend um, asked me if I'd ever heard of the Enneagram which is a personality typing framework that helps you understand how you're wired. I had heard of it like years ago, but I hadn't given it much attention. Then this friend told me that this Enneagram thing helped him understand himself better than anything he's ever used. Then he asked his wife to take it, his family to take it, used it with his ministry team, his small group. So I was really intrigued. So I started to look into it. Then last summer, um, I was privileged to be at Lifeway Christian Resource the conference with 25 small group pastors from around the country. So we're going to hang out and discuss aspects of group life. And our host for the gathering, uh, Chris Durat, opened the day by asking us to share what our Enneagram number was. And it was fun to see the various reactions in the room from the people who never heard of it to people who use it regularly as part of their leadership toolbox. So whether you're familiar with the Enneagram or you have no idea what it is, I hope you'll stay tuned to hear how this ancient framework can help you better understand yourself and others, and then that will translate into helping you lead better. So I've invited Chris Surratt to help me unpack um, the Enneagram and to share how it can be useful in our ministry and in our life. So Chris, thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks for having me, Carolyn. I'm I'm very happy that I can bring the heavy. I don't know that I, <laughs> I my, my podcast uh, experiences has never been called heavy, so I'm just happy that I can be a part of that. I you know. I think he meant in a complimentary way, but I was like, "Huh, I don't know what that means." I think he meant intellectual. So maybe let's just go with that. Yeah. Well, now I feel like I have to get really deep, <laughs> you know. And so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I don't think deep is going to be a problem for you, Chris. Uh, Chris Surratt <laughs> is a ministry consultant and coach, and has more than 20 years of experience serving the local church. He served in the executive teams at Cross Point Church in Nashville and at Seacoast Church in Charleston, South Carolina, prior to becoming a discipleship and small group specialist for Lifeway Christian Resources. He is the author of Small Groups for the Rest of Us, Gospel-Centered Small Groups, and he's recently released book. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> on leading small groups, how to gather, lead, launch, lead, multiply your small group. Wow, that was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a long title. It's a long title, but yeah, it's, that's me trying to be deep. I'm just writing and, and long you know titles. It's successful. It's a good thing. <laughs> um, and uh, Chris has been a friend of the network for years. Chris and I met eons ago, um, and he's one of my favorite people to have conversations with, so much so that I think this is your third time on Group Talk. So thank you for coming back. 
Oh, thanks. And I think that I should get some kind of, you know, knife set or a jacket <laughs> for being a third timer on my podcast. We offer like third timers a gift. So I'll be waiting for that signed Steve Gladen poster would be awesome. Okay. I, I'll let Steve know that you're waiting for a poster. Wow. You, you, you're really reaching for, for <laughs> the bottom of the barrel there. Maybe some CGN, uh, SGN, um, or a paraphernalia no. of some sort. I already have all that. I want a signed poster <laughs> of Steve in my study. Okay. Yep. Well, Steve listened to every single one of these. So, Steve, you heard that. Chris would like a signed postcard, <laughs> postcard poster or something. No, poster. Something I want a poster. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll do that. We'll hopefully get to that. All right. Well, let's start off, Chris, with uh, a disclaimer. When I asked you to speak on this, you said, hey, I am not an expert on this. Um, yes. And you could get an expert. But I told him I didn't want an expert on the Enneagram per se. What I wanted was someone who was an experienced user of the tool and also someone who understands group life and group and how it could be used uh, for small group point people. And he gets that world so well. And so that's why I wanted him to do it. But if you want to give a disclaimer, go for it. Uh, yes. I For all of you um, expert Enneagram personal, personality people, I am not one of those. I have not taken any classes. I am not certified to teach any anybody anything um, about the Enneagram. <laughs> I like to say that I am an enthusiast. I have read some books. I've listened to some podcasts. And I'm, I just know enough to be dangerous, really, when it comes to the Enneagram. So don't um, don't complain if he gets it wrong. Basically, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> exactly. Do your own homework. Take your own classes. I I like it, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, I'm not an expert. Yeah, but you have great thoughts on this, um, and I've heard you talk about it on your own podcast, and I found it really interesting and helpful. So that's why you're here, and we understand the limitations of this conversation. Um, yeah. As long as it's heavy, we're good. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, let's start off with this history. So what is the Enneagram, if you can explain and summarize briefly, and then where did it come from, and why is it so popular these days? Yeah, the Enneagram is a personality uh, typing system, and you know, you've probably, you're familiar with other ones that have come and been around for a while, like Myers-Briggs and DISC, D-I-S-C, and, you know, a lot of us have done all of those. Well, this one actually has been around for hundreds of years, uh, and it has nine distinct types. Each Enneagram type has a different pattern of thinking, feeling, and acting that kind of comes from a deeper inner motivation or a worldview. And a lot of, you know, you can talk to a hundred experts on the Enneagram and you might get a hundred different stories of the, of the origin of it. But most of them talk about going back to about the fourth century with uh, wow. what we call the Desert Fathers, some uh uh, Christian mystics. Uh, in particular, there was one named Evagoras Ponticus that kind of uh, championed the idea of eight deadly thoughts and then one overarching thought um, over all of them that we have. And so that kind of started the idea of the nine personality uh, right. types. And then it's been modernized in the last few uh, few years, uh, specifically by a guy named um, Oscar Ichazo, who uh, was from Bolivia, and he studied it, kind of modernized it, and then one of his students um, brought it over to the U.S. in the 70s and kind of refined it to what we know today. And then the Jesuits, the Jesuit priests, have used it for um, the last uh, few decades. And I think it's popular today because it's it really helps you understand yourself. 
and it helps you have empathy and sympathy for the the people around you. I, you know, it doesn't it for me at least it doesn't put me in a box, but it helps me mm-hmm. see the box from where from my experience of the world. And so I think anything that can do that and informs us of the people around us and the thoughts that we have and where we come from with our, our, our childhood trauma and, and good things. And we're able to understand that and then help us understand who, who God is through that right. is a good thing. And I've just found that the Enneagram does that better than really than any other typing uh, test that I've, I've ever taken. Yeah, that's a really good summary. Um, I, we do have to address the criticism that I have heard about the Enneagram. And you said, you know, because it originated from the desert mystics, and the, the minute you use the word mystic in evangelical circles, all right. the all the the you know red flags go up. Um, but if you can respond to you know people who might say, hey, that feels kind of new agey, or it feels a little bit like a horoscope or something, um, and kind of dispel that that's really not um, the intent of it, and certainly not for conversation. Yeah, you know, if, if you look at just the symbol of it, like if you were to Google Enneagram personality, it looks kind of like a satanic symbol <laughs> or, you know, something definitely out of a horoscope. And it, it, it could be used in a lot of different ways. It's just a tool. It's really just a tool that we can use um, to help identify ourselves and the people around us. It's a tool to help bring transformation. But as long as we understand that gospel is the transformation. And so by understanding that and knowing your type specifically, you know, what are your hangups and your pitfalls? um, We can understand more uh, what the gospel means to us and the people around us. And so, you know, I've dug into it. You can make anything weird, to be honest with you. You can make (laughs) That's Any true. personality test weird. So if you want to, if you want to look at it that way, you can. But I think it's pretty, pretty safe from what I've I've studied. Yeah, and it's not like pigeonholing people. And and I do like that what you said about it's really about knowing yourself better. And the more we know ourselves and know how God created us, the more we can partner with God and what He's doing in our lives, and identify our strengths as well as our weaknesses and areas where we need sanctification. Um, and some of those are blind spots. So I found it useful to kind of highlight a bit of the blind spots um, or things that are kind of cringeworthy in our own personalities. Um, so let's do something really cringeworthy, which is if you want to give us. Chris, like a brief summary of each of the nine Enneagram types, and you'll hear me wince when it comes to mine because that's yeah. kind of the reaction, right? Yeah, I always, when I talk to somebody about the Enneagram and they're not that familiar with it, I always tell them first, you should read a book and understand it. The bo- book that kind of got me into it is The Road Back to You by Ian Crone. And it's a it's a great primer and kind of introduces it in a, in a not a simplistic way, but a, a way that you can easily grab onto. And so once you've done that and then take like an official test, and if you cringe when you get to a certain number and the description of it, it's probably you uh, <laughs> because that's just the way it is. When I got to my number, I went, no way. I just, I don't like that. I don't like that. But just understand that um, all of the types are normal. They're absolutely normal. And it's okay to kind of cringe at yours and want to be another number. You know, there was another number. Like I wish I was that. But God created you to be who you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the healthy version of each one of these is, is is a positive and good thing. So they all have uh, healthy things and they all have uh, unhealthy sides. So 
Yeah. Yes. So let's go for it. So the nine. So that said, <laughs> yeah, let's jump into it. So there's nine of them. The first one is uh, number one, and they're they're by number. They're called by number. So type one is the reformer. And that's uh, someone who's uh, more rational. Um, they are purposeful, uh, self-controlled. They're also perfectionist a lot of times. I'm married to a, a one, and I'm so grateful for her because I am not a perfectionist. She's an accountant, so that ah. works really, really well for for her uh, her livelihood. But yeah, uh, reformers will. We'll, uh, you know, cross all the T's, dot all the I's, make sure things get done in group life. They're great to have if you want somebody to like keep the prayer list or to, you know, assign people things to bring for the food, you know, anything like that detail oriented. Number one is going to love it. They'll love it. So as a number one, who is a, I'm cringing already, um, <laughs> as the reformer for perfectionist, I think the, the, when I read the description, the part that I cringed at was number ones can be also very critical. Um, there, we are really hard on ourselves and we're hard on the people around us sometimes in our unhealthy side. I think that's really important to keep in mind, right, Chris, that on the healthy side, um, they're great because they move you towards a better good and to kind of push people towards that. Um, a more holistic yeah. side, but then on the negative side, which is what I was focusing on completely when I read the it's book. It's what we do. Yep. It's what we do. I know. It's like, oh, this is this is true about me. I can be really hard on people because I hold myself to a really hard standard and then I hold others as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, for a one, their basic desire is they, they want goodness, they want integrity, they want balance. So they want to see, they their perfectionism is to make things better. You know, yes. that's, that's why they go that there. That seems godly. <laughs> it, it is. It is. It can be. Yes. So, yes. yeah. So that's go. the one. All right. The two. The one, uh, the two, yeah, is the helper. And we all love somebody who's a yes. number two. I mean, they're, they're great to have around. They're caring. Um, they're demonstrative. They're generous. Um, you know, the, they, you just wanted to, because they're always helping out. They're always giving of themselves. And so a healthy two is just someone that you love and is always there for you. Now on the unhealthy side, they can be people pleasing. Yes. Um, you know, they can be possessive. They can get their worth out of what they're giving to mm -hmm. others. And then, you know, uh, are upset when they don't feel like they're receiving the same amount right. of love back from somebody. But when they're healthy, man, I want to, I want to help her in my group. I want somebody that is just willing to do things and just love serving other people. I think there are a lot of twos inside the church. A lot of our volunteers are probably twos. They're the helpers. Yeah. And you know what's interesting too is one of the most misunderstood uh, number types is a male two. Hmm. A guy who's a number two, because we look at it from a society and oh, we think true. more of a, a woman who's a nurturing the, kind of helper. Nurturing. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's one that's on the other side that we'll get to. But oh, um, for the two, yeah, that's one of the most misunderstood. Learned that for me and Crone, by the way. But yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the three. The three is the achiever. This is someone who's success oriented. Um, they're great at uh, adapting, you know, any conversation that they're in with brand new people, they can adapt mm -hmm. to fit into that crowd. They, they want to excel. They're driven. Um, you know, they're the rung uh, climbers on the ladder at the, at the business. They're trying to get to the next stage. Um, but on the other side, they can also be very image conscious. Right. Um, 
and they can be very uh, insecure right. if they're not seen as as uh, you know uh, moving forward or moving ahead in their jobs. But achievers get things done. A lot of yes. um, big church pastors are threes. Yeah, actually, at that gathering that I mentioned earlier, um, where you had us, and it was 25, you know, most influential kind of small group pastors from the country, a lot from really large churches and such, and when you had people identify, I was surprised, you probably weren't, because, you know, you're an expert, but I was surprised <laughs> by how many threes there were. I thought there'd be more ones, but I think that was just me and one other person, and there was a lot of threes, a lot of achievement um, types, and it kind of makes sense when you understand that typology. Yeah, I mean, anyone who um, is running something, a program, a ministry, the drivers, a three, yeah. the drivers, a three is a great type to be, definitely. Right. Uh, okay, the four? Four. The four, I love the four. That's the individualist, um, the um, romantic is what a lot of people call them. They're sensitive. They tend to be artists. They're expressive. They're These dramatic. are worship leaders, aren't they? These are worship leaders. These are your skinny jeans wearing, you know, um, Only musicians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and artists, and and they just wear their their feelings on their sleeves. And actually, uh, according to Ian Crone, this is the least uh, known number. So there's not as many fours as there are the other numbers. I don't know if that's scientific, but uh, you probably know a few. On the unhealthy side, they can be self, self-absorbed self mm-hmm. and they can be temperamental. No, never worship leaders. Never worship leaders, never artists. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we they create the art. They create songs and, and poetry and that's that's the four. Yeah, which is much needed. Um, okay, the five. Five, which I'm cringing because that is me. <laughs> the five is the investigator, and they tend to be uh, intense, cerebral types. Um, they're perceptive, innovative, um, but on the flip side, we can also be isolated, you know, which is kind of interesting because my livelihood and my passion <laughs> is helping people find community. It's true. And, yes. And my personality type is the opposite. Run I, away. You know, run away. I'm comfortable in my house by myself, not talking to anyone, but, you know, but it's, it's worked because I think I understand that side. I wrote a book called Small Groups for the Rest of Us because I right. felt like there's a lot of people that don't go toward community, but we need to bring community to them. But, uh, but yeah, so it does make me cringe, but you know, I will do research and I will research if we're going to buy a vacuum cleaner for two months (laughs) before we actually pull the trigger and it drives my wife crazy, but I just have to know everything about it. I just have to be aware of all the different angles. So that's the investigator and I've, I've learned to love it and accept it. It's okay. (laughs) We, we love and accept it too. All right. All right. Moving on. Number six is another one that everybody loves is the loyalist. Oh, yes. Um, Everyone wants to be the loyalist. Loyalist. And this is actually my wing. As a part of the Enneagram typology, you can have wings. So a number next to your number that you have a lot of the the characteristics. And so that's mine is the loyalist. They're committed, security-oriented. They're engaging. They're responsible. Uh, You you can count on them to uh, stay with it. You, you know, even like if they're at a job and things change, they will stay 
committed to the to the company. On the flip side, they can also be very anxious, fearful about things, suspicious about things. They're the ones who, you know, if you go into a restaurant, they're looking for where the doors are, if they need to escape uh, quickly, you know, things like that. But the loyalists are awesome. Yeah, so, they're life of the party. Um, yes. All right, so we're on eight. Eight. Speaking of life of the party, this is another one. And this is the number I'd love to be. My youngest is one of these. Number seven. Uh, oh, seven. Sorry, the, seven. Yeah, the seven. They're the enthusiast. Mm-hmm. And they're fun-loving. They're always busy. Um, they're the spontaneous ones. They're looking for what's next. What can I do um, you know, uh, after this? Or what's the next big hobby for me? They're, you know, they're versatile. Um, but they can also be distractible and they can be scattered. And they also can tend to have addictions um, mm-hmm. because they want to escape from the pain. And the easiest way to do that a lot of times is through an addiction. But uh, they're fun-loving you want a seven, they're a blast to have in the group, to have in your Yeah, small. they're more like the entrepreneur types. They just like to start stuff. <laughs> they like to start stuff, and then they like to have fun. And so, you know, if you're going to have a fun night, put a, put a seven in charge of that, because they're going to make sure it's fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Eight. Eight. Eight is a tough one. That's the challenger. And they tend to be powerful. A lot of um, CEOs are eights. A lot of uh, big church pastors also are eights. They're kind of dominating. They're very self-confident. They're decisive. They're willful. Um, but they can also be, when they're unhealthy, very confrontational. Uh, some people say that they're um, uh, they're a, they're a little bit. There's a nickname for them, and I don't know if this is okay to say on the on the podcast, Carolyn. But they're called the Eight Holes, um, and you can kind of get what you get out of that. But <laughs> they can be very they can be very blunt. We'll say it yes. that way. So the eight can be very blunt, but they also can get things done. If you want a, a you know a job in the small group that needs to get done, you need the next study picked, or you need you know logistics for your group. Just give it to them and step out of the way. Yes, Let them think, do it. Yeah, and I think eights are hard for inexperienced small group leaders or even point leaders that have them on their team. Maybe they're their coaches because they seem less open to input and they're comfortable with conflict. But the positive side of that is that they're going to call people to truth um, and they're not going to be squeamish about having those hard conversations, which a, you know, a three or a two maybe have a harder time with. And you kind of do need that on your team, someone who's a truth teller. You do. Um, one of the things that we did with my small group, which was a lot of fun, is we had everybody in our group take the test. We did it like you're not supposed to. We didn't say you had to read the book or have uh, you know somebody who specialized in it walk you through it. But we had them take one of those kind of free online tests and found out where everybody was and had a fun mm-hmm. discussion around it. And it helped me as the leader because I, you know, there was someone in our group that in particular is an eight, and it seems like they always want to challenge me during a conversation or a discussion. You know, they're always pushing. Right back and it would just kind of tick me off to be honest (laughs) with you but then once i understood oh they're an eight that's where they're coming from that's how they're wired so how can i utilize that or how can i lean into their gifts a little bit more their personality a little bit more And, and it just helped me have empathy and sympathy for that person when i didn't have it before Exactly. That's actually the best um, way to use it. A bad way to use it is what our small group did, where we labeled everyone. 
<laughs> and guests try to guess. Yeah. Yes. Well, apparently that's a huge no-no. Don't typecast people. Let them identify who they are and speak about it. But, you know, that takes too long. And and so, and our small group has been together <laughs> a while. And we love to laugh. So we said, you are. And then we just identify what people were. And then people had to defend, no, I'm not an eight. I'm, I'm not a, you know. So you knew exactly what type everyone wanted to be. Yeah, and ty- it, it was, a, it was is, a rough way to go about it. I've done it, but typing is not not a great way because uh, you know you're you're calling somebody out because usually the the bad side of it. Oh, you're you're always talking because you're such an eight, or <laughs> you're such a four. You're always crying. You're always emotional. You know, and so it, yeah, it's not good to type people. Right, but it does help with the understanding. So we said, okay, time out. Let's start over. <laughs> so yes. we did it. Did it over. Okay. All right. And then the yeah. nine, the peacemaker. Nine peacemakers. My friend, my friend who's the who is a nine said, this is the Jesus type, which yeah. I took offense to because, you know, holiness, one seems very much about Jesus being perfect, but okay. <laughs> yeah. No, the, uh, Ian Crone calls this the sweetheart of the, of the types. Uh, they're the easygoing, self-effacing types. Uh, they're agreeable. They'll go with the flow. You love kind of having them just hanging out with you because whatever you want to do, they're up for it. They'll go along with it. So yeah, they, they won't argue. They won't insert themselves, but they're just easygoing. They're agreeable. On the other side, they can be very complacent. Yeah. Sometimes it can be hard, especially in a group setting, to get them to voice their opinions or give an answer uh, because they don't want to do that in, in a job situation. That can be tough as well, because if you have a nine and you're in a brainstorming session, you feel like they're just not entering into it where right. they just need to be brought into it. So understanding that someone's a nine helps you know that, Hey, I should bring them into this conversation because they have great ideas. They just need to be asked and don't point them out. Like you just aren't talking. You need to talk. You know, don't right. don't pull them outside at the end of the meeting and say, you know, I really need you to engage more. I need you to, to jump. No, just bring them in into the flow of the conversation and they'll be great. They'll love it. Yeah. So that brings up a good point. I mean, this um, these different types really helps with understanding the point of view. And as a point leader leading team of tiers or staff or some combination with what most of us do, um, it seems so useful to know, okay, how are you best leveraging the strengths on that team? So, Chris, do you have like an example from um, your ministry or your life on how you've been able to use uh, the Enneagram to bring out uh, the strengths on your team? Yeah, I mean, it's used quite a bit. Uh, the team that I serve on at Lifeway, we actually have kind of these little uh, whiteboards on where our desks are. And we went through and all took the test. And it's written in the three kind of heart and gut and, and all of that uh, instinct uh, where we fall on the Enneagrams. And it's helped us relate to each other mm-hmm. as a team in a different way that we couldn't before. So we understand during meetings why someone would take this point of view or this worldview and come at it from this direction. So it has helped in our small group understand as we uh, you know, dig into each other's lives. And it's also helped in the workplace mm-hmm. for us to understand our coworkers a little bit better and our bosses. You know, why is my boss demanding this of me? Well, mm-hmm. it helps me to know that he's a three. And he's going to always be pushing forward. And that's just helpful for me. And he understands that I'm a five, that I need to think about it, that I need to uh, research it a little bit before I make, you know, a decision or an opinion. And so it just helps us relate better in the, in the, in the job 
place as well. Do you think there's a risk of people saying, hey, this is just my type. I can't help but be this way. And you're just going to have to, you know, to get over it. Like, it, could it be used as an excuse to not grow or not become more healthy? Oh, definitely. Um, and any personality test can True. do that. You know, you're Myers-Briggs, you're DISC, you know, I'm a, I'm a D and so I just don't think like an S, you know, um, I'm just a five, so I don't need to have community. I mean, it can absolutely, um, do that. But like I said at the beginning, it doesn't put you in a box. It just helps you understand the box from your, your viewpoint. Um, and, a lot of other things can change as you go through life, like introverts yes. and extroverts. You know, uh, I, I know a lot of extroverts as they go through life, they become a little bit more introverted yes. and they need more time on sure. their own and kind of vice versa. And one thing that doesn't change is really this personality type. Uh, I think the Sacred Enneagram, which is a great book that I recommend, talks about that um, the the room, it's like the room that you grew up in as a kid is your Enneagram type and how you decorated that room is your extroversion or introversion. And so that can change as you go along, but the foundation of who you are isn't going to change. And so just understanding mm -hmm. that helps you be a better person. And for me, it's just helping having knowing people around me better. And that's how I look at it is understanding the people in my group better, my coworkers, and not necessarily mm -hmm. totally who I am, but understanding who they are. Yeah, I, I love that metaphor with the room. I think a lot of it, as I've read more too, a lot of it, this happens in childhood. Like we're not even aware of how we kind of got on track to become a two or a four or whatever. Um, and then a lot of times we bring that into our relationship with God. And that's where it's been helpful for me just to, to think through and journal about, okay, being a one, being more perfectionistic, how does it impact our relationship with God? Um, and this is not what God is requiring of me. You know, I know God's grace. So, how does that fit there? And I think for each type, there's places where may, we may be stuck in our spiritual life with God because we we are um, our perspective on Him and on our, on ourselves is kind of warped, and it kind of gives holds up another lens and maybe hopefully a clearer one of who we are and how we're still loved. And then from that place to understand ourselves and in the light of God's grace and um, Christ's sanctification in us, and then moving from there to understanding other people. I think when we understand ourselves better, we're kinder to other people, or at least I am. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. Yeah. I love now meeting other fives. Nah, I, you're like, oh, I, my kindred spirit. <laughs> I get you. I understand you. Now let's not talk for the next hour. <laughs> so perfect. Yeah. I, I like something else that the sacred Enneagram talks says is, uh, it's a sacred map of our soul. The map isn't the journey. The map informs the journey. So it just kind of helps inform this life that we're walking out and becoming more like Christ. Yeah, and there's parts that didn't fit that you're free to disregard. It's it's oh, disregard not a, it. It's not an end all and be all. So, yeah, you mentioned a couple of resources already, um, like the Road Back to You um, by Ann Crone, and that has a, a lot of about relationship with God is a piece of that. Um, and so he's a Christian, and you mentioned the Sacred Enneagram was also written by a Christian. What are some other resources if people are brand new to it? Where should they start? Yeah, I would definitely look at those. Also, Ian Crone has a podcast. Um, the original one that he has called The Road Back to You. So I would suggest that. Um, Andy Stanley did a two-part 
oh. uh, podcast that I've listened to with Ian Crown. That was wow. very helpful. Um, that where they walk through every I'm time. I'm guessing a three. He actually is a four. <laughs> oh, you, who are you talking about, Andy? Yes. No, he's a one. He's oh, a one. So he's my kindred spirit. Yeah. <laughs> which I, I feel so much better. Surprised me because I thought it was going to be, it actually surprised him, he said, but he, he's a perfectionist and he said he beats himself up after every message that he gives. And, you know, that's just who he is. So, yeah, so I would, kindred spirits. Yeah, I would listen to that. And then um, a website that I like a lot is uh, EnneagramInstitute.com and it's run by a guy named Russ Hudson who's one of the gurus uh, in the Enneagram world. And that's where I got a lot of the uh, descriptions for each one of these. So yeah, that's just a few things. And also, um, we hosted a two-part Enneagram. You mentioned it earlier on my podcast called Group Answers, where we dug kind of deeper into group life and what it means for each person in your group and roles that they can, um, they can take in the group that fit their personality type. Yeah. That was, that was really good. I just, uh, it just struck me. I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner. So, um, ours is called group talk. Yours is group answers. That's kind of funny. (laughs) It it seems like ours is a little, uh, I don't know, presumptive that we have the answers. Maybe it's even heavier. Maybe you're group heavy. (laughs) (laughs) We're just full of ourselves. We think we know it all. You do have some good answers, and that is actually a, an excellent one. I, I really like that. I would, would, would recommend that. Um, so any final thoughts, Chris, before we sign off? Um, I just think that this is a, a, a good tool that you can use with your small group. I would recommend not doing it the way we did, which was doing a free online test. But Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but if, if, if you can't, I mean, just go into it knowing – it may not be the best results, but it'll start some interesting conversations. But if you really want to do it, it's like $12 to take the official test at the Enneagram Institute.com. You know, that's like two Starbucks coffees you got to give up for the week. Go ahead and take the dive, take that test, and then, you know, take a group meeting and talk through it. It'll, it'll help the dynamics of your group. Yeah, and you can ease into it by even trying it with your ministry team first or with your spouse. That We've had some great discussions as a result of um, taking that test. Yeah, we have too. Uh, the Enneagram Institute actually has a section on compatibility between the mm. different numbers. It's and too late. I, we were married 25 years. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's supposed to build on what's already there, right, Karen? Maybe I should give it to my kids. They don't have marriage partners yet. So this is there you go. the numbers that they will not fit with. That could be part of the dating process. They, before they get serious, they have to find out what the Indian, you know. This like, is how we're going to make our money. This is it. It used to be what's your sign. Well, now it's what's your Enneagram. It, I, I, I can see that. I, you know, I think I'm going to put uh, my kids through this <laughs> with their, their significant <laughs> others when they get them. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. And um, yeah, this is such a fun conversation. And now I understand everything about you because you are a five. <laughs> there you go. Just don't talk to me when we see each other and definitely don't, don't hug me. You know, just those two things and we'll be good. We'll be fine. Okay. Good to know. Uh, Chris is part of the small group um, network huddle in the Nashville area. He's also really active on our Facebook page and he lends his wisdom there. So you can ask him questions. Um, If you have any questions around Lifeway, they publish some amazing curriculum around for small groups to use and they're constantly pumping out so much content. So um, if you have any questions around uh, Lifeway related stuff, you can contact him. A best way to reach him probably be chrisserat.com and he's a good resource on all things groups related. He also has a coaching uh, practice on the site. So thank you, Chris. God bless you and your ministry.
Thanks, Carolyn. All right. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. Um, if you would like to um, suggest other topics or guests or anything, you just want to give us feedback. Um, remember, I'm a perfectionist, so feel free to email them to uh, grouptalk at smallgroupnetwork.com, and um, I will try not to cry when I read them. But if you have any, any feedback, I actually would love to hear your ideas and thoughts on future uh, programs. So we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, Small Group Network family, Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer and Small Group Network creative arts director. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Group Talk, and thank you to Carolyn and Chris for that great episode. I love the Enneagram so much, and as a seven, I love to be the life of the party. If you're going to be at Lobby 2020 this year, do me a favor, catch me, let me know what your Enneagram number is so we can just nerd out a little bit about it. Now, before we go, are you a part of our Facebook community? If you are on Facebook, jump onto our dynamic Facebook group community that has surpassed 4,000 members. That's right, 4,000 members and gleaned from the thousand of small group ministry ideas, interactions, questions, and answers found here. Just search Small Group Network, request to become a member, answer the simple questions, and we will approve. The link to the Facebook page will be on the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in to Group Talk this week, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.